Hey, this is ACP Pro. And you are now listening to the Gimme 5 Podcast. Yeah. Awesome. That's amazing. I just got chills. Guys, those are our friends over at ACP Pro electronic music duo from Orlando, Florida. Good friends of ours. You can listen to our interview with them and their track wolves and ravens in episode number 81. Check them out at acppro.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate it. Yeah, that was, that was awesome guys. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. We talk about pop culture, nostalgia, movies, music, theme parks, and since we live in Florida, the occasionally story about a Florida man hurling a bag of trash at someone after being confronted for videotaping through a bedroom window. <laughs> My name is Jimmy, and I am joined by Rotten Rob. I'm wondering if that was to cover his escape. And gangrenous Greg. Hi. Right now, at this exact moment, my child is sitting at the foot of the stairs downstairs amongst a pile of Halloween body parts. And as I peeked down there before to tell him I was about to record, he just looked up at me with a severed leg in his hand and said, I love you, Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so proud. Not disturbing at all. No. This week, we've got Abominable, The Dark Pictures, Man of Medan. And the series finale of Preacher. Guys, welcome to October. We are going to continue talking about 80s movies, but this month they will be horror-themed or Halloween-themed. This week we've got Fred Decker's Night of the Creeps. And I'm going to tell you right up front, Jimmy, this is the kind of shit I want to be watching. (laughs) Not Not that garbage that you picked the last time. Great. This was super enjoyable. I like it. We'll get to that. Can't wait to talk about it. After we get done, we will come up with this week's top five list related to our topics or news that we discuss. So, guys, as always, this is a review show. There's probably going to be spoilers. We'll try to avoid any major twists, but like always, if we're talking about something that you haven't seen, read, or listened to yet, use your own discretion. You might want to fast forward and come back later. So, guys, what have we got in the way of news this week? Well, I believe the only real news here... It looks like it came from you. Uh, I'm actually very interested in hearing a little bit more about this Candyman movie. That movie terrified the hell out of me back in the day. Ooh. Did it really? It was one of them. I saw it. I saw it actually the original one at a slumber party, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know many of the kids. And of course, mm-hmm. afterwards, they all <laughs> wanted to do the Candyman thing. Yeah, that, of course they did. Yeah, of course. That, yeah, I can remember standing in the bathroom with the lights off, uh, you know, having a sleepover and being too chicken shit to say it more than twice. So that, of course, the movie Candyman, guys, have you, well, Greg's obviously seen it. Rob, have you seen it? I've seen the original, yes. Okay. I I know that there's been a, there's been a couple to come out after that, right? 
wasn't there like a Candyman two or something like like bastardized uh, versions of it? Yeah, there. Okay. I I think so. Um, there was a Candyman two, definitely. Yeah, and we just don't talk about that. So instead, we will talk about the Candyman reboot that is being produced by Jordan Peele. It comes out June twelfth, two thousand twenty. It's going to be starring Yahya Abdul Mateen the second. From Watchmen, Black Mirror, Us, uh, Aquaman, you've seen him. But the reason why I'm talking about this is reliable sources over at bloody-disgusting.com are now reporting that Tony, Mr. Tony Todd will be reprising his role as the Candyman. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. So I believe it was on a previous episode where I said they better at least give the man a cameo. It's looking more and more like he will have a starring role. And I am super, super excited about that. Oh, Got a, that's yes. sweet. Well, oh. one, mm-hmm. Ca- Candyman is one of those horror movies that it's kind of deeper than the actual horror slasher type movie. It's one of those where you it really you, is, yeah. you can sympathize with the killer. And you can possibly mm-hmm. say a little bit about like Friday the 13th when you talk about that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. when there's that little moment of like, well, the killer kind of has a point, I think that makes it even more terrifying yeah. as a viewer. So I've always liked that aspect of horror movies. But they're not going to do the thing where they like animate Sammy Davis Jr.'s corpse to play it, right? <laughs> I'm the candy man. Yeah, I don't know. That's I don't There know. you I, go. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if Robot Chicken did it, then, you know, and we'll if we are, see. And the other thing I was going to say, if we are, are we moving on from Candyman? Because I totally forgot something that's on news. But you yeah. said that you made a prediction. After, well, which one of you is going to go in the bathroom and say Candyman three times? Uh, Greg will do it. If Rob goes go in the ahead, bathroom, Greg. he usually doesn't come out for an hour and a half. I'm not doing it. And and Candyman won't show up after what I do in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> He's like, nope. He's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> he like comes through the mirror. He's like halfway through it. He's like, oh, oh God, <laughs> that's foul. <laughs> yeah. Because what I what I do to that toilet is probably a felony in like seven states, I think. It was six states last time. Yeah. yeah. Man, it's just getting worse. Greg, mm-hmm. you had an epiphany there. What's your news? We didn't put it down for some reason, probably because it was a w- about a week ago. But mm-hmm. Jimmy made a prediction that... Oh, oh Marvel yeah, right. and Sony would make nice with the super with the Spider Man situation, and they did. So, con- first of all, good job, Jimmy. Thank you. <laughs> you say congratulations. I'm like, thanks. I got nothing from that. Nostra Jimmy. Yes, Nostra Jimmy. Uh, yeah. So he did. They. I don't know exactly the the details of the deal, but for at least one more movie, Spider Man will be part of the Marvel universe, and. I believe that I heard a little bit of chatter about finding a good way to write him out of that universe if necessary. So we might be seeing some Spider-Verse type situation, but at least we get a couple more appearances of Spider-Man hanging out with the Marvel heroes because it won't just be a Spider-Man movie. It'll be now what was and stuff. I was going to say, what was the the uh, fine print on on the deal with Sony? Does Sony own all of the Spider-Verse? Yes. Okay, so and it's not the, like it's not like they could all in- of the side characters. Okay, so it's what? not like they could introduce Miles Morales and keep him in the MCU. Correct. Yeah. So unless 
<laughs> arachnid guy. You still like our idea, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> we were, Jimmy, you missed it. We were hashing it uh-huh. out at Halloween Horror Nights where we were like, well, how can they keep Spider-Man in? And Greg was like, well, you know, you could have arachnid guy. Damn it. And I, just ha- I was not a part of that conversation. No. I was about to say arachnid man. Yeah, arachnid but, guy. And his... Yeah. And his uh his arch nemesis uh horn nose. Yeah or um <laughs> Professor Squid. Professor Squid, yep. Okay. And Buzzard. Yeah. That we could and, <laughs> and and then and then of course don't forget Ray. Ray? Yeah, Ray. You know, uh, he, he makes you hallucinate and see things. Mr. Uh, Mysterio. Ray Mysterio. Oh and Greg, see you, you being the, the wrestling fan, I thought you would have gotten that one. I, uh, yeah, you got I me. don't have the rim shot available to me, so I'm just going to have to pretend that joke made one of us have an erection. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't me. Yeah, it was. I, I'm not the one standing in front of the mirror saying Candyman with a boner. Okay, so let's move on. <laughs> Speaking of... <laughs> he shows up and is like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> I was just in some dude's bathroom and it smelled like something died. And now I <laughs> And now I show up and this guy's got a boner. Forget this, I'm retiring. That's it, man, I quit. And, and meanwhile, I'm standing there saying it over and over again, going, where is he? <laughs> Damn it, where is the candy man? I need some candy. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so speaking of continue down that path. Speaking of sure. giant erections, uh, let's talk about <laughs> yeah. the Skyliner. Rob, have you been on the Skyliner yet? I have, in fact, been on the Skyliner. Yes. What did you think, sir? It's uh, it's nice. It's mm-hmm. neat. It's a great way to get around. It's probably faster than the buses, depending upon where you're going. The one issue I see is that when it's moving. Mm-hmm. And if it's moving against the wind, it's it's fine. In fact, in the in the winter, it might be kind of cold. Mm-hmm. When it's moving with the wind, or when it's sitting still, it becomes an oven. And I yes. don't know if you experienced that or not uh, when you guys wrote it, but holy crap, we stopped like in the middle of the sun and like hanging there, yep. and there was no wind movement whatsoever. And I kind of looked over at Jen, and I'm like. Ooh, I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of hot. <laughs> oh no, was it really bad? It, it was. It was definitely warm, and we weren't stopped very long. But like, if there were any issues or anything, and it were to stop mm-hmm. for any extended period of time, it could and be it a does. problem. Yeah, and it does. It 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 does stop to let you know those with special needs on. Well, uh, actually, actually, no, it doesn't really, and that's the genius part of it because oh. those with special needs, the the, the car to it. that they're the, not allowed. <laughs> right. No, they they have they have a system set up where there's like a little um a little there's feeder a branch where oh, okay right where it where it actually comes off the line and goes into a separate area where the special needs people can board it and then it's funneled back in and mixed in with the <laughs> mixed just, in with the rest. It just drops them right out of the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I said no. <laughs> um, God. Uh, it's all right. Uh, we're all going to hell. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. I noticed that, and that's all we could gather was because it stopped two or three times. Um, granted, that was a few days that was at a cast only event, so maybe there were some issues that they had had ironed out. But 
that's all I could assume. Now, you saying that it it gets you know sweltering in there makes sense. Um, I know that when it's moving, those vents were specially designed to keep the air flowing coolly. Yes. I guess. Um, and they they have openings at the top and at the bottom, so it it does mm-hmm. get air into it when it's moving. Or if there's a brisk breeze, you'll get air. But when it stops moving, it's like a freaking oven. I I heard something after a certain amount of times there are air conditioners that come on, but I didn't, is there any? I didn't see any any evidence of one, so I don't know. It's yeah, it's really hard to tell. But uh, I'll agree with what you said. You know, really kind of fun way to get around. So check it out if you were planning on going to Disney World anytime soon. You can check out our Instagram at Give Me Five Pod to see some pictures of that as well. I have a little bit more news, guys. You're probably so tired of me seeing so tired of seeing me post about it on social media, but I think it's something worth looking at on episode twelve. We covered Never Hike in the Snow, a Friday the 13th fan film that I think holds its own up there with any other movie in the franchise. There's currently an Indiegogo campaign to fund the next installment that is Never Hike Alone. Funding ends on October 13th. So by the time this episode comes out, you'll still have a few more days. Jump on there, back that thing up, and get some cool perks. Check out (laughs) Never Hike in the Snow on Indiegogo. MC Curry out. Peace. And then one other little side note that I'd like to throw in for all of you gamers out there. There actually is a new feature. Uh, Twitch Prime has mm. now started offering exclusive in-game content for those of you who have a Twitch Prime account and link it to your platform of choice. So like I play a lot of Rocket League right now. Twitch Prime was offering a Rocket League exclusive. If you link your, in my case, PlayStation your PlayStation account to your Twitch Prime account, you can get exclusive in-game items. Right now they have the first pack, and I believe they've got four packs coming out, but the first pack has an exclusive car and six decals for it with... Like a teal 1997 Saturn. That's that's it. (laughs) Hell yeah. I'm going to rock that shit too. (laughs) So just something to keep a lookout for all you gamers out there. Florida time. Yes. Let's go. Very surprised that Rob is here tonight uh, after he was caught <laughs> <laughs> trying to film inside of a neighbor's apartment. Uh, this would oh, be uh, Mr. Randall uh, Trong Tran, who uh, mm. is apparently 30 years old, although he definitely does not look 30 years old. He looks like uh, he looks like he should be selling uh, gremlins at a shop. If you, you know, he, he looks way older. We'll say that. And he, uh, all right. He apparently was looking and videotaping inside of someone's apartment. And when the, when, uh, actually it was a, it was a dude's apartment now that I'm rereading this. The victim <laughs> was he investigating a paranormal event. Yeah. The victim named Mr. Bush relayed what happened. He said that he caught the guy standing outside his apartment's window and making a video recording of the interior. When he asked, the guy, th- Attempted to flee the area, and you were right, Rob. He threw a trash bag full of garbage at him. (laughs) (laughs) I guess at the end, I guess it was garbage in order to cover his escape. Uh, Not only (laughs) carrying a trash bag 
full of garbage, as you say, with it. Yeah, just in case. Uh, so anyway, he's now he facing a charge of battery on top of what I would assume would also be peeping or something like that. Um, he was arrested in Brevard County for this. He is now being held on a five hundred dollar bond. <laughs> he's a peeping trong. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nice. Uh. So who, whoever the jabroni is that's got half of the thing highlighted, I think that's kind of what's preventing me from clicking on the link. That's not me. If you click on the link, it'll do that little drop down, and you can click on that. The picture you could also oh, copy paste. There also, we the go. picture is not the guy. <laughs> really? <laughs> There's another picture. You scroll down, and it's the guy. I hear you scrolling. <laughs> Florida man arrested for allegedly punching teen girl at basketball game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not Mr. Tran, but if you go a little bit further, that it's him. Guys, you can look that up if you feel any are weird like that. All right, so our first topic for the night is going to be a recent release in the theaters called Abominable. A uh, very, very cute cartoon, nice family Obama. story. Obama. No, not Obama. Oh. Very, very cute family story written by Jill Colton of uh, Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story, directed by... Oh, okay. Tom Wilderman and Christopher Knights. It stars Chloe Bennett, Albert Tsai, Tenzing Norge Trainer. Yep. We'll talk about him in a second, actually. Nope. Okay. Eddie Izzard, Sarah Paulson, Sai Chin. Oh, Eddie Izzard. Yep. I'm yep. sold. He's and good. basically, in a nutshell, uh, I'll read you the summary of the movie. After discovering a Yeti on the roof of her apartment building, teenage Yi and her two friends embark on an epic quest to reunite the magical creature with his family. But to do so, they must stay one step ahead of a wealthy financier and determined zoologist who want to capture the beast for their own gain. <gasps> and apparently this is about the third Yeti movie in just about a year. Smallfoot yeah, released exactly a year ago. Missing Link was earlier this year and then Abominable. And, of course... There's also a Yeti haunted house at at Halloween Horror Nights. There and is, in fact. Now that I have seen all of the haunted houses, I think, and Rob has seen all the haunted houses, eventually we're going to burn off a special episode about Halloween Horror Nights to get out to you. But I'm just really busy right now. So we'll take care of that at some point in the near future. So there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did find Greg's it very too interesting. too busy farting. Yeah. <laughs> I did find it interesting that they released this exactly one year after Smallfoot. Um, That's weird. It seemed weird like yesterday. when a bunch of movies come out all at the same time. It was a. Mm-hmm. I remember like with with uh, the Asteroid movies, like both of them came out with like one at the beginning of a month, one at the end of a month. With Final Impact and Armageddon. Uh, and yep. Armageddon. It's just weird when that kind of happens. This one, I think they weren't as worried about because this was cross financed between an American film company and a Chinese film company. It's mm-hmm. really good, but you can definitely – there's a little bit about it that definitely – that you can tell that it was a little bit sponsored by the Chinese tourism board because mm. okay. they do talk a lot about like going to different places and they show different places and it's it, – it's there's a little bit of that, but they're both – they're all beautiful places, so I'm kind of cool with it. But I, I did mention the one actor, uh, Tenzing Norgay Trainer. Mm-hmm. I thought this is really cool. So it does, of course, the – they're trying to get the Yeti back to Mount Everest. They call the Yeti Everest. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Trainer is the grandson of Tenzing Norgay, who was the very first Sherpa to ever reach the summit of Mount Everest with Sir Edmund Hillary. Oh, oh you nice. don't say. Now, who did he play in the movie? Uh, he was the the self-absorbed teenager that was always taking selfies 
and oh, the, okay, and then kind of had a turn and started helping. Yeah, so the I thought the movie was really good. It was very deftly handled. The opening sequence specifically started off with like a first person view. Did that actually make you sick, mm-hmm. Rob? Because I know that you don't like that. It it did not. It did not. But it oh, also it didn't last very long. It was like a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically it makes you put you into the mindset of the Yeti where he wakes up in this like science facility or he is in a science facility and he's escaping and every room is kind of new to him. But you're seeing it through his eyes and they're trying to eventually they run runs into a scientist who's trying to coax him back into his cage. And he you see through his eyes until he breaks through the door to get out. And like as right. he breaks as the door breaks open, it switches and you realize he's in the middle of a city and you can see how scared he is. And then he runs off and whatever. Uh, as Rob said, he basically goes and hides on top of an apartment building where he's found by a, by like a preteen teenager girl who is kind of has her little hideout on top of the building where she's saving money to go on this trip, which is where the tourism thing mentioned came from. Right. And dealing with she's kind of a loner dealing with a lot of her own stuff. Yeah. So so she's uh, yeah, she's you know, she's sad her father, her father passed. They don't really know why I don't. I don't believe they ever say it. I don't think they really address it. And her, just that he's her gone. mother and grandmother don't really understand her. And there's, so she's, she's not doing anything bad. She's just working a lot of jobs to make money to do this. And then of course, because she's working all these jobs, all the, the kind of richer, snobbier, basically teenagers are making fun of her because she's always like messy and whatever. But as Rob said, there's a lot of heart. And I think that softened the edges of a lot of how some of the characters act, acted mm-hmm. like, particularly that that teenager that I mentioned. Like he made fun of her, but at the same time they also kind of knew each other better than you would have the they would have you believe. Right. You found out later that they, that they actually have known each other for a long time yeah. and that they live in the same building and whatever. Mhm. Um so anyway, finds the Yeti goes off on an adventure and to bring the Yeti home and it's it, it was a beautiful movie. I thought the animation was great. The Yeti was adorable. Yeah, it really was. I want a Yeti. Yeah, he, was. he looked so cuddly and soft, and I wanted to sleep under his arm, like in the thing. Well, we've and got one here. You've got a yeti, and I think I'm just getting. Oh, are you sure you want to in Orlando? Oh, that's true. Yeah, but that involves a, a roller coaster. I don't want to do that. Yes, ah. I would vomit on the yeti, and it takes a lot of soap to get vomit out of a yeti fur. And and when I say that the movie has a lot of heart, I, there were there were numerous points in the movie where it, it kind of reaches out and touches you emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, the a lot of the scenes where she and is there a better instrument for that than the violin? No, I don't think so. I mean, just just the way that the music was played, and she she plays the violin. By the way, her father taught her the violin, and it's kind of a focal point of the movie. But she. It, it's it it just adds a really nice uh soundtrack mm-hmm. uh really nice background to the to the movie yeah that's one of the ways she was able to and, communicate with the yeti you know early on in the movie yeah and yeah and she's there's a lot of talk about through violence yeah, through violence yeah yeah she does things with her with the bow of her violin that we can't speak about so yeah i agree that i thought the the soundtrack was great uh all the violin portions were awesome particularly after they use the yeti fur as part of the violin that's a, more, that's mm-hmm. a little bit of a spoiler more than we mm-hmm. usually would do but i thought that part was was beautiful and then all, yeah. of course the connection you mentioned that the 
violin that her father taught her how to play violin. There's some connections there, which mm-hmm. are really good. And 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 it's not until probably like 15 minutes in that you realize that she's working all of these jobs and everything so that she can actually take this take a trip that her father and her had planned out that he was going to take the whole family on. So she's working like she's working like a dog and basically saving all of her money so that she can take this trip that her father and her had planned. Yeah. Speaking of the family, I oh yes, loved the little grandmother. Yeah, she was adorable, wasn't she? She was adorable. She reminded me of my grandmother. She was always mm-hmm. making dumplings and was very quick to swat your hand away from the dumplings with the ladle. God, this movie really made me want pork buns. It really did. I don't think I've ever had – I think of all of the food I've had, I don't think I've ever had a pork bun. Really? That's – it is why I got – I know it's not the same thing at all, but I think it's why I got the bow buns at Halloween Horror Nights the other night. Oh, that, oh the pork buns are so good. Yeah, I don't think I've ever so had dumplings like this steamed in a little basket, and I think I need to at some point. Yeah. It's right up my alley. You definitely need yeah. to. Yeah, you got to make that happen. Yeah. I got to find a good place. You've had them, right, Jimmy? Yeah, of course. I'm not uh, delicious. You know, I don't live in a cave under a rock. Exactly. I don't think I've ever done the dim sum thing. Got to do it. So yeah, she the the grandmother just constantly being like, "What is this girl doing? She keeps on disappearing. She doesn't come back." It's you're not eat. Yeah, exactly. So I loved that character, uh, Nene or Nine Nine Nine. And it ru- it literally made me laugh out loud when she came in and saw the pork buns in the bowl. And grabbed the bowl and dumped him in, and her grandmother's head was right behind the yeah. bowl. <laughs> yep. Yeah, like ninja grandmother. Because she, cause she's like a midget. Yeah. I mean, she's like super tiny. Yeah. And her basically just her head pokes above the counter, so she lifts up the bowl when her grandmother's head is there. <laughs> it was adorable. This movie had some really good voiceover acting. Chloe Bennett, who mm-hmm. uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this is one of her first animated films and also i forget his name now the the uh the shady rich guy adventurer burnish burnish yes the burnish was voiced by the wonderful eddie izzard in all his eddie izzardness he's so damn it, funny it was really good and i because it was eddie izzard i was wondering about that character as the movie was going on i definitely was so and there may be some twists involving that character but definitely some really good voice acting yeah no it's it's a great movie for kids the there's mm-hmm. you know i always do that the my kid didn't really have any problems he was a little sad when the yeti gets tranked towards the end okay okay but i also asked him i said okay what was your favorite part and his favorite part was when she rescued him right afterwards when she plays the violin and oh okay yeah the long distance kind of blast and he was like, it was so powerful, and he was very excited about that. So definitely a fun movie. It did open up number one this week. It was, uh, you think, Universal's third number one of the year. Uh, okay. I think one of them was us, and I don't know what the other one was. But I didn't know we were employed by Universal. Yes, we are. Whoa. That'd be awesome. What was their number two? Uh, not us. Because I could give them a number two. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> really hate everything so would you say dim some good characters <sighs> that was abominable uh, okay the movie was very bunny i don't know oh bunny funny okay we're done <laughs> can you hear me bow <laughs> ah! 
<laughs> well played. It's the final countdown. <laughs> and there's Greg's F U button. <laughs> I mean, just just all in all, I thought it was I thought it was a really good movie. And and speaking of which, for our rating system, Greg, what do you think? Okay, let's see. Uh, rating system, I would definitely see an afternoon movie. So what is that like? That's like the second tier mm-hmm. or third tier down. Definitely uh, an afternoon movie. See it with your kids. See it with your family. Yeah, two. Uh, not not necessarily five dollar Tuesday, but definitely a matinee. Yeah, I would say that, and then purchase it afterwards. Yeah, cool. I actually would agree. It's not something. It's not opening night. Be there. Check it out. Three D. All of that, but. Definitely something that that you could see that I could see paying matinee prices for. Uh, Jimmy, I'm very interested in this game that you're about to talk about because I think it's something that that it actually spooks me out. Something that spooks you out, huh? Yeah, you mentioned Jimmy, that it's some ghostly sea uh, type things. Yeah, we talked about previously the release of the movie The Lighthouse and how much the deep ocean kind of. Uh, freaks out both of us uh, when the subject of horror movies like open water, even some movies like master and commander far side of the world. I get a little freaked out by really big waves and really deep water. Mm-hmm. And go, this go has, ship. yes, this has both of those things, deep water and a ghost ship. Of course, I'm talking about the Dark Pictures Man of Madan from Supermassive Games, the makers of Until Dawn. If you are familiar with that, it is kind of a choose-your-own-adventure, but it's more like choose-who-dies and who lives kind of deal, where you have to give responses to situations. You play as every character. Um, so you develop their relationships in a very short amount of time. And I know for myself, I knew who my favorite character was from the very beginning of the game. And as much as I tried and thought I kept that person alive, they were the first one to die. And I was devastated. Which character was it? No, I'm not going to say who it is. Um, Uh So you'll just have to find out yourself. The way the game plays is very much like a Resident Evil uh, where you kind of walk around, you pick up items, you investigate them. Animation can be a little bit sluggish at times. However, is it, person? it is not. No, it is third person. Oh, okay. So. Oh, and it looks like you can play with multiple people. You can, yes. And there are different game modes. You can play online with somebody else. You can also play, there's a, like a movie mode where you just pass the controller, which I think is great because at least that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, back in the days before we had online, that's what we did was we passed the controller so we could play different parts of the game or different parts of a level. I'm sure that sounds alien to some of you listeners out there, but you we have alien like listeners. A, yes, you like a Elder Scrolls or a Mass Effect. You choose your responses to questions and situations. The other element of the game that always catches me off guard 
there's a name for it, but you know, you, both of you know how in God of War at certain points you have to hit a certain button. Yeah, yeah. To perform a certain it action. Comes up on the screen and... This, sure, this jumps up on you. Um, it'll just, you hit B, hit X, hit A. I've always been really bad about remembering the buttons on the controller. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit difficult me and and don't here's a, a word of advice to you guys if you want this game to play out a certain way don't put the controller down and watch don't do that because you will have to press a button at some point and it will catch you off guard <laughs> it's definitely a game worth replaying it's short enough that it doesn't feel like an excessive chore and at the price point of 30 bucks it's not a huge investment like games are these days where you, uh, you know, you're, you're dropping 60 bucks at a time. This is part one in an anthology. There are going to be four more released in the dark pictures. Definitely check it out. Watch the trailer and you can play the demo, although it's not going to get you any scares. It's going to give you a feel for the game. And believe me, you will want to play past the part where the demo ends. So check it out. Rob, you asked if it was good. Yes, it is. And I will say, yes, it is, especially for the price that it's at. Hmm. I definitely you, want to continue on with it. Yes. Do you have it on PlayStation or on Xbox? I have it on Xbox One. Ah, you bitch. I, uh, I haven't... Um, because if you had it on PlayStation, I could download it and we could play it. But yeah, I am waiting for The Last of Us Two before I get a PlayStation Four, and we will have that soon. So we'll definitely be talking about that. Maybe we can play that one together. Woo, Greg, this one will scare the jeepers out of you. Excellent. Or what'd you say? It'll give you the spooks. <laughs> we'll go with that. So play this game with the lights off. You'll love it. Well, one last topic before we get into our awesome 80s horror movie. Hell yeah. Night of the Creeps. Whoop, the whoop. TV show, the AMC TV show, Preacher, came to a close this past weekend. Like for good? Finale. Yep. It's um, a series finale. Uh, season 4, episode 10. It did uh, – I'm not sure if it was a pl- – it was definitely planned to be the ending. I don't know if they had more. They would have had to really milk the source material to get more. Uh, I am very surprised that it lasted as long as it did. I'm also very surprised that there wasn't a huge uproar about some of the content within the show, mm. uh, per- particularly Our Humperdoo. Space. Oh, well, Humperdoo. Uh, okay. Humperdoo is the genetic uh, offspring of Jesus that they had been basically inbreeding all the way since the time of Jesus. So he was called Humperdoo because he was dry humping everything in sight. Um, he had eyes going different directions. He had messed up teeth. He was. Uh, but he was Jesus's biological heir and everyone bowed down before him. Uh, that was one thing. And of course, as you mentioned, Arse Face, it wasn't actually called that in the show, but Arse Face was back when, for the people who don't know. Hi. Oh my God. Hey, bud. Oh my God. Ethan snuck in. <laughs> <laughs> the worst possible time. In- he creeped up on you. He okay, ninja'd you. Okay. I'm recording. Can you step out? Nice. What? The Borg wearing the headphones? Yeah. You printed the headphones. I did. Okay. Can you see the headphones? They'll break though. Don't play with them. Okay. You can't put them on your head. Okay. <laughs> so 
Ars face is yeah, is named that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> you step up, close the door, okay? I'm, I'm going to try yeah. to get done so I can say goodnight. Don't let him put the headphones on. Um, Ars face is named that way in the comic books because of a failed suicide attempt with a shotgun. So that's yeah. what his face looks like. Yeah, mm. like it's, it's all pushed in and and uh, sphinctery, if that's a word. Um, it so, is now. Yeah, so it's got that. It I mean, the show has. Yep. Yeah. And he's like, I mean, Hitler's in the show in hell, of course, but he's but Hitler and Arse face go on an adventure at some point. It's got a vampire. It's got a, a fallen priest who used to be a basically a street thug. It's got a former hitman that runs with the priest that used to be a street thug. So it's got a lot of stuff. And it actually, despite all of the craziness, it actually cleaned up very well for the final episode. It did tie up all loose ends, unlike other shows that we've talked about. Uh, the, the, the end story, the end game here, I'm not going to ruin anything, but the whole story is that God decides to go on vacation and disappears. At some point, God is, um, dressed as a Dalmatian furry, but that's earlier in the season, (laughs) but he's just comes down to earth to do other things. When he's gone, this thing called Genesis gets out. And Genesis is basically the voice of God, and whoever has it can make anyone do whatever they say. They have to do it. So it ends up in this preacher, and then there's this shadowy religious organization that is trying to basically help God by causing the apocalypse, because God has gotten tired of the humans and is trying to breed new humans, which are these weird tentacle-like creatures. And he wants to basically... Okay. Yeah, there's... That's that's actually a very subtle side thing. Like, they're, you kind of only see them for a second in these cages, but... Basically, they're trying. They're supposed to um, end the world. This shadowy organization is trying to basically end the world, trying to cause nuclear holocaust, so that God can repopulate the world. Uh, the- so basically, they're Cobra, but yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, there is a character that runs this organization, an organization named uh, Her Star H E R R S T A R R. It's I guess German something. And throughout the, he's supposed to be this all powerful like dude that runs this organization and nothing but bad things happen to him, but he's very stoic about it. So at one point he gets like hacked down the middle of the head. So his entire head looks like a penis. Uh, He loses an ear and they try to replace it with a vampire's ear. And it's like rotting away. It's uh, I believe his genitals get eaten off by dogs. He's a bad guy. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, He does have the best line in the uh, history of television, which I couldn't look up. What's that? Which I couldn't look up at work. Well, I tried to look it up at work, but it was a bad idea. <laughs> so he's t- he's trying to tell one of his his like girlfriend lover who's working in this organization that she should still believe in him because they ha- that he had plans for her. And after the apocalypse, they were supposed to live under the under the ocean and be like the last people left. And his uh, line was like, "We're going to live underground where I am going to be pleasuring you repeatedly with my anus. Oh, I okay. can pleasure you repeatedly with my anus." Yeah, <laughs> which uh, I, is that what he intended to say? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how that would work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm, I don't I'm not sure the logistics of that. I one, actually but... took a screenshot of it with the subtitles on, just so I had it. But I, I was trying to figure out the logistics. I was going to Google it, but I realized that was a terrible idea. Also, so <laughs> I just decided to move on. But anyway, it does clean up very nice at the end. It does, of course, because it's a season finale or a series finale in the current era, of course, have your time, your flash mm-hmm. forward time jump 
thing shows us four year, 40 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm saying sounds like completely batshit crazy. The show is actually more crazy, but I think if you are not offended by well, good. Yeah. It, I was going to say it must not be that good if religious organizations aren't petitioning to have this one blocked. It's interesting because like it treats a lot of the religious text and, and ideas as, tr- as truth, like things that are actually happening. So if it subverts some of it, I think that's why, like you, if you dig deep, you can find people complaining about it, but at the same time, if there's, you know, an, a, if there's a show showing God and, and a God that does certain things. And a, there is a Jesus character who's like the actual Jesus. And he's actually a nice dude. He does end up working at Lowe's or a Home Depot kind of place at the end of the show where people come in and are, oh, good <laughs> people are like coming in and like, this paint just ain't going to work. And he's like, now, sir, I want you to go home and put the paint on the wall. And if it doesn't work, you can come back. And he's like really calm and meditative. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm really sorry that I treated you that way. <laughs> so he's, he, he does his Jesus thing in a different light. But mm. it was a, it was a fun show. I, I watched all four seasons, all episodes. I did stray from the comic a little bit, but I thought that it was, you know, I don't think it needed to go on further, but it's definitely worth watching. Guys! Doctor, it's Miller time. Miller time. Do you know what scene I think of when I hear that line? What's that? It's a scene from Ghostbusters where Bill Murray's going, it's Miller time. (laughs) Guys, it may not be Miller time, but it is time for us to talk about Night of the Creeps. Released August 22nd, 1986, directed and adapted by Fred Decker of Monster Squad fame, Robocop 3, Movie House, and House 2. We're the Monster Squad. It's a remake of the 1958 film of the same name starring Tom Atkins, Jill Whitlow, and Jason Lively. People, I, Wait, were those the stars from the original or from the remake? Those are stars from this one, the remake that oh, came okay. out in 1986. Not a lot of people that I recognize. No, uh, I, I didn't recognize anybody except the cop, I think. Uh, no, yeah, the, the one – there was the one Jewish-looking nerdy guy. Oh, the lab guy. Yeah. yeah. He's been in a bunch of yeah. stuff. Yeah, him yeah. and the cop were the only two I recognized. Mm-hmm. So just to, let's do our, our pre, pre-gaming here. Night of the Creeps. Drinking? Yeah. Night of the Creeps oh. had a pretty awesome trailer, so I did grab it so you guys can get a, just a taste of what this movie is like. And it gives you a good feel for the movie. So, The Night of the Formal is finally here for Chris. Cindy and JC. It's going to be the best night of their lives. But tonight is also the night of the creeps. From a world unknown comes a nightmare unimagined. First, they are under you, around you, on you, and then inside you. Sounds like Rob. And you walk around while they ain't your baby, even if you're dead. They are a new breed of terror. They are a different kind of horror. Zombies, 
Exploding heads, creepy crawlies. They did that a lot. We could have a little problem. The creeps are taking over. Oh, I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. They're you dead. Have never had a night like this. Night of the creeps. If you scream, you're dead. I <laughs> love those old Damn. trailers. They're so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing. Lots of squeaming like banshees in there. Yes. <laughs> that pretty much takes care of the plot. Um, an alien experiment has landed on Earth in the 1950s and has gone dormant. Why were the aliens midgets? <laughs> why do they They're look... not supposed to call them that. And why do they look like why he was chewing gum? Why were the aliens gum? little people? <laughs> and why do they look like he was chewing gum? They did. Nobody knows what aliens really look like. Maybe, why maybe was, they why were was real running aliens. Running around with this experiment, shooting yeah. it out into space. I don't, yeah, I don't know. They, they weren't worthy of this movie interplanetarily, I guess. Yeah, well, and, and in all honesty, I don't even know what the aliens were doing in the movie because they were so unnecessary to the plot. <laughs> well. They, they didn't really even need to explain the origin of the creeps. It just could have been something that they'd have left to to the imagination. But. Now, I think that's something that was to be addressed in Night of the Creeps 2, which unfortunately never saw the light of day as this movie did not do very well at all. Made like five bucks. It made like five hundred thousand on a five million dollar budget. <laughs> so, I was just about uh, to say we need to buy the rights to the movie and make the second one, but no, <laughs> no, that sounds like a bad investment. No, it's like how we discussed that the Princess Bride is a perfect film, and you mm-hmm. don't need to touch it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't actually like that at all. <laughs> 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 but it's still pretty fun. Yeah. It's perfect for what it is. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's a campy – I mean from the, the aughts, aught, aughtset, onset of the film, this you know 1950s kind of uh, – everybody's got poodle skirts. That was a yeah. thing, right? And like mm-hmm. black and white patent leather shoes. Yeah, well, Jimmy was not here last week. And when we talked about In the Midnight mm-hmm. Hour and that – of course, has that throwback look as well. And I was really surprised at how similar certain shots in this movie were and similar ideas. Because hmm. they did some almost exact same shots of the camera, the crane shot of the camera going into the the courtyard, just showing the town, showing hmm. all the cars, showing just letting you know it's a different era. And to the point of where I was like, when I was thinking back, I'm like, wait, which one was the black and white one? Okay, that was Night of the Creeps. Which one did this? Oh, that was uh, in the Midnight Hour. So it was very interesting. And I, that's also, I think, another 80s movie thing where they had a lot of those crane shots establishing areas and stuff. The the title of the movie. Uh, I guess, yeah, I, Midnight I, Hour. I, but she wants more and more and more. It, the song is in my head. <laughs> you beat me to it. Anyway, I apologize. The Midnight Hour. Take that, Jubals. You're not going to be able to correct me. You either, Kerwin. Okay. <laughs> So then they, of course, jump forward, and we are straight up 80s parody area, college movie, fraternity, (laughs) me being, I think I'm the only person on this podcast that was actually in a fraternity. Um, I will 
uh, was it Brad the Bradster or something? Yeah, talk us so through it, Greg. I how not accurate. at all actually. Now, so this was in the okay. early night or the mid nineties, and I will tell you right now that there was a very big push for political correctness even back then. There was massive oversight. So like a lot of those scenes where people were like riding on a bus drinking, which isn't politically correct, but like like oh let's get the girls and let's do this that none of that stuff happened uh no hazing whatsoever either the although i was party to i wasn't in this particular fraternity it was when i was a freshman before i joined one but i was at one of the parties because my roommates were all in it and they were there was a bunch of people drinking and the one of the fraternity pledge people told their pledges to they, they said pledges and they're like yes whatever he's like bring me a duck so a bunch of pledges were, okay. were running pants down or pants off in their boxers trying to catch ducks in the local like pond. That was about the extent of any craziness that I saw. They did not. They were unable to catch a duck because apparently it's harder when you're probably good. Yeah, pro- probably for the best. Definitely for the duck. When you're drunk and you don't have any pants on. Yeah, you don't really want to be. Pretty difficult. So there were no, you know. Stealing bodies from labs and no stealing bodies from labs. No, hmm. we did not have any corpses. I feel like you're covering something. We did not have any corpses in the basement because it was Florida and there's no basements. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> they were in the den. Yeah, we had them in the den. They were behind the fireplace. Hmm. Um, there was a pretty cool story though, which I don't think I did. I tell that on this podcast. I might have. The you're going to now. There was a guy that did commit suicide and. We don't know if he committed suicide or fell. That's so cool. Hold on. In, in, oh, okay, in, the, good. in the haunted house. Jesus, I'm glad you're... I believe this okay. was in the 60s. The house was a big square. The front part of the house was one story taller than the rest of it. So what you could do is go to the... You climb out of the window of the the taller one onto the roof of one of the, the shorter sides and then climb up onto the roof because frat guys like being on the roof, apparently. And climb up onto the roof. Did you have water roof. balloon fights up there? No, that was only in that. That was only <laughs> in that movie. You're welcome, uh, Jimmy. <laughs> you're, you know, thank you. I think 19 and 20 year olds love to get on top of roofs yeah, I think and scream "woo." Yeah, well, there was a lot of that. So you could basically climb out of the Bravado. out of the one, climb up onto the roof. Well, that was that happened forever. And apparently, at one point, one of the one of the frat brothers um, who had a creepy as hell name. I'll just say it because you can't find it online. But his name was Ronnie Ricketts. He climbed out of of the uh, thing. He had, it sounds like he'd show up with David S. Pumpkins on SNL. Right. He was he had worked at the local hotel, so he got off late. He was still wearing his bellboy uniform. He had climbed out and he fell. And he, this is one hundred percent true. He actually died in his bellboy uniform at the bottom of the, the house because he fell into the courtyard. Um, but so there was always these tales of like him haunting the house, which is cool and freaky as hell when you're there late at night but also i found a picture of him it was like the the picture with all the other the the composite picture with everybody and Mm -hmm. everything else was moldy and destroyed because it had been stored in a closet and it just got rained on or something except for his picture his was the only one that was still perfect like it Mm -hmm. the the, like lines of mold actually stretched around it it was really kind of creepy and i wish it was cell phone error because i would have taken a picture of it but either way way off topic but still pretty cool story and I will tell you that that the movie was not even close to real fraternity life. Maybe in the eighties. This movie, not unlike a lot of movies in the eighties, features zombies. Yeah. 
if you'll call them that. Now, these zombies are uh, are controlled by slug-like creatures that were an alien experiment. We know them as politicians. That was a good one. Thank you. Make some more jokes. I like it. (laughs) Continue. Now, these creatures are hungry for human flesh, as uh, most zombies are. And um, I guess hell-bent on breeding and controlling the human race. We know them as uh, teenage girls. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that not, that one was kind of weak. Not Sorry. not one of your better ones. Sorry. Survey says. <clears throat> Moving on. Yes. So creatures, these little slug creatures, they get in your mouth. They eat your brain. Yep. You still walk around like you're alive because the creatures are in there. They're incubating where your brain was, and they control you and turn you into a zombie. Yes. The movie features unlikely heroes, JC and his friend Chris. This whole thing starts with a frat prank of just a, a sweet, simple frat prank where they are tasked with, uh, leaving a body on another fraternity's porch. Um, so they can become, you, they're already pledges, right? So they can get rushed in. I don't know yeah. how any of this works. Uh, you go and you pledge the fraternity. They, you meet them on the first night and yep. then you, you can pledge them. There's some formal thing. And then you have like that year kind of, or half a year semester waiting period where you sure basically have to prove that you're good enough for them. Do whatever they want you to do. Yeah, basically. Uh, the whole reason that JC and Chris are trying to get into a fraternity is so that Cindy will like Chris. Um, and they they just assume that uh, girls in sororities won't go with, as it's put, um, guys who are not in fraternities. Is uh, fact, that true? Fact check on that one. That is more of a 50-50 thing. Some people would – some women that I knew would find out you're in a fraternity and are like, oh, you're a player. Nope. Other ones were like, oh, you're in fraternity. Which one? And then they would be all excited depending on which one. Hmm. Not usually mine. But. You weren't in the cool fraternity, I take it. Well, we were in a, a new fraternity at the time. A we nude fraternity? It was a nude Sorry. fraternity. No, we, we were in a new fraternity. We, I was actually a founding father because I didn't want to deal with the hazing crap. So I actually was like, I'm on the charter and stuff. I'm starting my own, damn it. Pretty much. I honestly just um, joined a fraternity because I wanted someone to play uh, sports with. You know, like mm-hmm. I needed a group of people to like do beer pong. Whatever. Jogging. No, like flag, <laughs> yes, jogging and beer pong. No, flag, like flag football. <laughs> Flag football, and then of course the post game showers. I've said that. Uh, I see, said that that's tonight. where it all comes from. Yeah. So, what what did you guys think of the film? Rob, you go first. I I actually enjoyed it. It was you have it a was better experience. Super campy. Than... Mm-hmm. It was it was much better than Robo Vampire Ninja thing. Oh, uh, you loved it. Uh, it was it was super campy, uh, light hearted. There was a lot of laughing involved. A lot of oh my God, that's terrible when you're talking about the production quality of the movie mm-hmm. and a lot of like corny jokes. I I loved it. Good oh, stuff. Yeah, it's very self-aware if you're paying mm-hmm. attention. You you could easily watch it and go, oh man, you know, this is just... This is stupid. Yeah, but if you pay attention to the jokes, like uh, when JC and Chris are being questioned by homicide detectives, 
JC makes a joke where he says something to the effect of, are you kidding? I'd rather have creatures crawl inside my brain and control me than be here. That immediately tells you how much this movie, how serious this movie takes itself. So you never once during this movie, Rob, did you think, man, I really wish they had mashed this movie together with an Australian movie about super agents. No, no, Mm, that's a shame. Not once. I I also really liked it. Uh, It was definitely a throwback of that era. And -hmm. it's an era that I enjoy the movies. You definitely have to not pay too much attention to certain plot points, but I liked uh, the over the top sheriff. I liked the over the top everything really. Um, it had its it, it had its little spooky moments, but it, but at the same time, it was every you could tell that everyone making the movie had a really good time, and I like that in this kind of movie where you can see that okay, they're camping it up, they're having fun, mm-hmm. and also there was Bradster. and and I and I will say that this is one of the movies <laughs> where where the dead animals didn't really bother me. They they had they had a dead cat and a dead dog in the movie and they were kind of more entertaining than anything. <laughs> so obviously fake. <laughs> oh, completely obviously fake. Yeah. But yeah, the the, so, the dog uh, that causes the the bus to flip over. Bradster. Yeah. Well, yeah, and but the one when he walks in front of the bus and looks up at it and it causes it to mm-hmm. like flip over cuz it crashes, it turns out of the way. Yeah. 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 Poor poor Fluffy or whatever the dog's name was. Oh no, it was the that was Gordon, I think, or something. Like it was the Gordon name of, was the cat. Gordon was the cat who was named after someone that made the movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there's actually a, a lot of some uh similar kind of names, aren't there, Greg? Yeah, I, I caught some of these early and then I looked it up and they the people that made this movie, which we'll talk about that momentarily, they mm-hmm. are horror buffs and film buffs and they went on to be to do much bigger things but there are characters in this movie there's chris romero who's named after of course george romero Mm -hmm. uh we have james john carpenter and toby hooper two famous directors of course halloween and uh checks the chainsaw massacre so we had james carpenter hooper jc yep uh cynthia cronenberg is one of the characters named after david cronenberg james cameron detective ray cameron john landis was Detective Landis, Sam Raimi, Sergeant Raimi. Uh, the, the Sam Raimi one is actually where I was like, oh, because I'm in the middle of a book about uh, Bruce Campbell. And Steve Miner, Mr. Miner, the, who is the janitor. So there's definitely a lot of these these characters. Screaming <laughs> <laughs> like punches. Yeah. And yeah. The, the writer of this movie, there's some pretty oh, cool. Fred Decker. Is Fred Decker. And, and when he wrote this movie, his roommate was i keep on wanting to say frank black but that's not who i'm going for and i'm scrolling shane black shane black there we go (laughs) his roommate was shane black uh who went on to write of course monster squad which we'll be talking about soon and uh, i guess the next year had his one of his first movies got made into his first scripts got made into a movie and that was lethal weapon so there's actually some crossover in this movie and i've dropped a battery (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's actually some crossover between uh, this movie and Monster Squad with like uh, graffiti on the walls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really cool. The zombies, you, know, you said, Rob, some of the stuff that looked good, bad. Some of the zombies look really good. And um, particularly the one that had been buried under the the fraternity mom's house for all those years. Mm-hmm. 
I thought that that type of zombie was really good. And I guess it makes sense because I one of the zombies is played by Greg Nicotero, who must have been an extra in the in the makeup department because he went on to do all the Walking Dead zombies. Yes. Yes, he did. And direct a few yeah. crappy episodes of The Walking Dead. And some good ones. But mostly crappy. Fair enough. Now, when all of the crap hits the fan and the zombies start coming over, coming out, uh, there's one part I got to talk about. I got to talk about the flamethrower. Oh, yes. Does every police station just have a flamethrower, like, in their lockup? Yeah, of course. I was wondering about that, too. It's like, I was like, is that a standard issue? Because that would change everything. Sure, not only does the flamethrower change everything, but the combination, the setup, the alley-oop that is performed with two characters. Not only is there a flamethrower, but the shotgun used to blow open the heads of the zombies, and then the flamethrower is used to destroy or burn up the creatures that spew forth from the head wound. Yeah, I love when the nerdy hero gave the flamethrower to his date in, like, it's not really home, I guess it is a homecoming dance, kind of. Yeah, and I was like, why did he give the flamethrower to her? (laughs) Well, she was the one that was most flammable wearing all that lace. Yeah. The best to keep her behind the flame. True. true. I would say. And, yeah, so they, uh, all of these creatures start, later in the movie, they all start attacking the sorority house, and the, the nerd and... His girlfriend, who was in the, who is a sorority member of that house, yes. have to help and save all of the sorority girls, the scantily clad sorority girls, I might add, yeah. by <laughs> shotgunning and flamethrowing, burning, people. yeah, and of course our hero police officer help who is helping them out, who has a history with these with the slug things. Mm-hmm. He. Uh, <laughs> You probably heard it in the early clip, but I got to play it again. He has one of the best lines of the movie that everyone seems to quote, regardless of what you're looking for. And should I just play it? Do it. Do it again. I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Shit. They're dead. He's kind of like I'd a, be, Yeah, go ahead. He's kind of like a poor man's Dennis Farina. Remember him, Mm. and but he's awesome. (laughs) He's one of the one of the believers in the in the movie. He knows what happens. He's one of the ones that is aware that there was something crazy that happened all those years ago, and he's gonna rescue everyone. I'm still uncertain as to why the body of the boy that was found in 1959 was in a cryogenic chamber underneath the school. Jimmy, Rob doesn't know. I don't think we should tell him. No, I don't think we will. Uh, we're we just gonna because we don't know either. We don't know. That's just <laughs> another one of those things that I'm going to say would have been explained. Uh, there are actually two endings of this movie. There's the one. I don't. Which one did you guys see? Uh, without did okay. So let's say I saw the aliens come back. Okay. Yeah, as did I. All right. Well, that's the alternate ending. Oh. Um, you guys both saw it on Crackle, I'm assuming. Correct. And there was another ending that was played theatrically where um, it involved another one of the animals. So the ending that you guys saw set up for a sequel, um, which we may never see, sadly. And I would be remiss if I didn't kind of bring up my 
story with this film, the way I had heard about it was through a trip with my good friend Eddie to Maryland Death Fest. Uh, there was a band called Splatterhouse that was playing. And they've got one of the heaviest, like, gore grind albums, whatever subgenre of death metal you want to call it. But they open uh, at least a couple of their songs with samples from Night of the Creeps. Oh. And the track on the album, uh, The House That Dead Built, is called Night of the Creeps. And uh, if, if you could find a, a sample of that and play it, uh, they're defunct. They are no longer a band. But you should definitely check that out. That's what led me to looking well, up the turned movie out and finding that it. This band, their drummer had his brain eaten by slugs. So they had no choice but to just... Walk their away. drummer was actually some like hippie dude huh? and just like barefoot hippie dude, but he loved playing extreme music and I hate myself for calling it that, but <laughs> it was the slugs in his brain. Yeah. So just a couple other little things that I happen to notice and make note of. There was some graffiti in the bathroom I've mentioned before, one of which was striper rules. Yeah, I oh, saw that's that. Funny. They do not. <laughs> that which is why exactly what Jimmy just said. Say it again. Yeah, they do not rule. Striper sucks. <laughs> Striper is a if you don't know is a I'm saying heavy metal with with air fingers. Um, is a metal band, and I know one of our listeners actually likes Striper, so sorry, but uh, is a metal band from the '80s. There were also a Christian. They were a Christian metal band. And they're one of their big things. And they dress like bumblebees. One of their big things is they always wear yellow and black. Now, the striper rules quote ended up in there because the makeup artist that did a bunch of the makeup for, I'm assuming non not the zombie makeup artist, but I think like the sorority girl makeup artist. It was a woman named Kyle Sweet. She ended up she wasn't called Kyle Sweet at the time, but I don't know her name then. But she ended up marrying the lead singer of Striper, Michael Sweet, which is where the name came in. She also passed away a few uh, about 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. So, uh, But huh. um, that doesn't make Striper any better of a band. But that's why that ended up in there. Because I, I actually went down that path because I was like, did I just see Striper rules? Because I've never heard anyone actually ever say that or write that. So that's yeah. why. <laughs> no, they're yeah. too embarrassed to say that in public. Uh, if you look at old promotional photos of Striper, they are – just as bad, if not worse, than promotional photos of Manowar yes, uh, early or Pantera. Pantera. Yeah. Does anyone else have anything about Night of the Creeps? It's a fun movie. You should check it out if uh, 80s B cheesy yeah, horror yeah. flicks like are your thing. A horror movie mixed with Animal House, mixed with Porky's, kind of mixed with... Uh, it's got the one of the yeah. stars from Porky's is in it. So if that's your thing, you can head on over to Crackle, uh, yep. Sony's Crackle, C-R-A-C-K-L-E. If you register, get a couple it's commercials. free to watch. What commercials did you get? Commercial I'm about interruptions. That. I got Will Ferrell on a cell phone the whole time. I got a bunch really? of those. I also yeah. got some Target commercials. I got Will Ferrell got on a cell Target phone commercials. for most of mine. And, and, um, I got one and of those, Halloween yes, Horror Nights. Which makes sense. I don't think I got yeah. any of those. So check the movie out, tell us what you think, and let us know what commercials you got. 
that brings us to our question of the week. Guys, as mentioned earlier, we may see Tony Todd in a starring role in Candyman. Now, what five actors, I'm going to go with male, would you like to see return to starring roles? Now, we, I'm thinking we can do actresses next week, but just for this week. It might not happen. It might not happen next week, but it'll happen at some point in the future. It will. Five guys that you want to see return to starring roles. How about I go first? Again? Okay. Again. I mean, you're just going to tell me to anyway. Pretty much. Hey, Jimmy, why don't you go first? I'll go first. Rob, my number five is going to be Mr. Eddie Murphy. Strong pick. Now, he's ranked so low on my list because I think that might be happening very soon. However, number four, if we ever see another Austin Powers movie... I'd be super happy. That's Mike Myers. My number three is Josh Hartnett, underrated and in some very good horror films and TV shows. Number two, Brendan Fraser. Come back, man. We miss you. Make a, probably not another mummy movie because Tom Cruise shit all over that. Wasn't Brendan Fraser recently in like Grey's Anatomy or something? Another, mm, I think that's Chris O'Donnell. It's another one that would make mm, a list too. Shame on you. Number one, Tony Todd. I really, really hope this news is true. Love to see him starring as Candyman again. Greg, who do you have? Okay. So there's some crossover here. Uh, one of them, I'll do the Rob thing and do my, my, uh, honorable mention. That's Jack. Yeah, that's Jack Gleason, who played, uh, Joffrey Baratheon, who was so hated on the show because it was such a good acting job that he did quit because of all the negative attention. Uh, and he also wanted to do some other things, but he did it by choice and it was recent. So that's why he didn't get on my list, but I kind of liked Freddie Prince jr. Uh, I, I thought he was good right. in the, the nineties, like teen movies and stuff like that. And then he kind of stepped away and just decided to do other stuff and be married to uh Sarah Michelle Geller. So I guess that's fun. Yeah. Have fun. Uh, <laughs> Good for him. Not a yeah, horrible yeah. way to be. I could I, either work a lot or be married to Sarah Michelle Geller. Fair enough. Rick Moranis is my number four. Ghostbusters big on our mind because of Halloween Horror Nights again. But Rick Moranis, after I forget which movie, it was somewhere after I think Honey, I Shrunk the Kids Part 2. He stepped away from acting and has not really returned. Uh, it was because his wife passed away and he decided to take care of his kids, which again, honorable. So it's he did it by choice, but I do miss him. And I miss yeah. his mm-hmm. the comedy stylings of Mr. Rick Rick Moranis. Oh yeah. Speaking of comedy, Very my funny. number three is a double entry, which sounds dirty. <laughs> I said. It says when you say this is dirty. I said double entry. It says when you say ah, nice. Mike Myers and Dana Carvey, who starred famously in. I don't know. Uh, not just because of those movies, but I mean I like both of them. Ah, Dwayne's Underworld. Ooh, I'd watch that. Michael Bean, number two. It was supposed to be the next big action star in the 80s. And yeah. then he wasn't. Now he does cop procedurals and stuff like that. And my number one already mentioned, Eddie Murphy. Loved his comedy specials, loved his movies, especially the action movies, Beverly Hills Cop, 48 Hours, all those things. And even loved his voiceover work on Shrek, which is a little more recent, but... Looking forward to his return. What about you, Rob? 
Well, I'm I'm torn a little bit, and this this may be this may be just hearsay that I've heard, so I'll have to preface it with that. But at number five, I'll probably put Mike Myers. And one of the reasons he's so low on the list is because I've heard some terrible things about what a monster really? he is to work with. Ooh. Yes. I've never heard such a thing. Like, like I, I, w- I heard a story about how he got a, uh, an aide fired because he looked him in the eye one time. And I'm like, what? So it, it, it's out there somewhere on the internet. You can find it if you Google, if you look for actors who are notoriously difficult to work with or something like that. And I found it when I was trying to look up uh, the oh, the guy who originally played War Machine or Rhodey, yeah. Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard. When I was when I was trying to find information and on Terrence were... Howard being notoriously hard to work with, because that's another one that I've heard is yeah. is extremely mm-hmm. difficult to deal with. But that's that story came up when I was looking for Terrence Howard. I'm looking for War Machine fan fiction. <laughs> exactly. So what it he might be higher on the but list, but I'm putting him at Canadian. five just because be of some of the rumors that I heard. It can't be true. It can't be true. At number four, I'm going to put Brendan Fraser. Already been covered, but I I really enjoyed his role in the Mummy movies. Well, save for the last one where it seemed like they didn't age and their kid magically was 20 years older. But um, <laughs> I I enjoyed his role, his style of comedy. His he had a similar delivery system to I want to say like a Ryan Reynolds. Where they were, they were kind of dry. He was a little bit more animated than Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds' delivery is really kind of dry, and that's why he makes a perfect Deadpool. But I, I liked his style in the Mummy movies. At number three, I'm going to put Rick Moranis. I loved him in Spaceballs. He was fantastic as Dark Helmet, and he's done quite a few good comedy roles. And I'd like to see him back. At number two, I'm going to put somebody that you guys didn't mention, and I'm going to say I'd like to see more from Jack Nicholson. Yeah, there's quite a few of those older ones, those older actors. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen anything from Jack Nicholson, and I always thought that he was excellent. He's still one of my favorite Jokers. He he was probably the best choice for that Joker role, the way that they Mm -hmm. wanted the Joker to be played in that movie. Now, Heath Ledger's Joker was far was far different style of Joker. And I loved Heath Ledger's Joker, but Jack Nicholson's Joker for what they wanted him to be in the movie was absolutely spot on. Perfect. I loved the insanity that he brought to the role in the Joker. And he's been great in just about everything that I've seen him in. And I'd love to see more from him. But my number one is a gentleman that I haven't seen in a while. And he always plays fairly, fairly dramatic. And he's got, great gravitas and delivery and just draws your eye whenever he's on See, screen. Gene Hackman was Hackman. supposed to be on my list, but I took him off because of the same reason that you bumped Mike Myers. He's incredible. He's also 257 oh, really? years old. Yeah. Like when it comes to working with newer, younger actors or anyone that's not as established as him, which is basically everyone he mm-hmm. is. They said he is like complete dick to them. Just a nightmare. Yeah. Mm. That's that's why that I did find some of those stories. There's a article in Looper about why Mike Myers doesn't get many roles anymore, and it's actually pretty interesting and pretty telling because it actually uses quotes, particularly from someone who I respect a lot, Penelope Spheris. So, oh, okay. Uh, who said that 
he gets more emotional as shoots go on and the longer the shoot goes, the harder it is to work with him. So, and he did, Ooh. and she, she of course did Wayne's world. So mm-hmm. it's interesting, but so okay. then I would slide Mike Myers off and put Randy Quaid on there. Oh, look, look up what he looks like now. <laughs> he lives in a cabin in Canada. He, he, he lives in a cabin somewhere in like Canada now. Cause he thinks the government implanted something in his brain. And I'm not kidding. About oh, that. he's nasty. Yeah. He's well, he's also nasty. Stuff. Yeah, like giant beard hasn't no, shaved. Like, he's basically turned into Uncle Eddie. He made a gross... He's nasty. Hey, look, I know what you're going to say. He made a gross porno movie. And for some people, that's gross. For other people, it might be enjoyable. Rob. And I might even I might even put Emilio Estevez on the list, too. That's a good one. Let's put him on there and slide old uh, Randy Quaid off, and off the edge of the planet. <laughs> that's pretty much where he is okay so we are going to move on we're finishing up here and jimmy is angry about something we haven't done a rant in a while but we've got a little rant here from jimmy yeah sure so with football season starting up guys we we hear a lot of uh quotables on the radio on television dude i just can't stand coach speak I've since got a new job. I drive a little bit further every day, and sometimes I just don't want to listen to music. So I'll put on sports radio, and I've just got to turn it off because why even have press conferences? Why interview coaches if they're going to say the same damn thing in every single interview, presser, whatever? It's just so annoying. Um Coach, coach, what do you think you could have done differently? Yeah, we could have we could have handled the ball better. And uh, you know, when it, when you when you throw the ball, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to win or you're going to lose. You got to catch the ball after it's thrown. You got to catch the ball, or you're not going to go anywhere. You got to put your head down. You got to run forward. You got to learn from your mistakes, and uh, you know, you got to get the job done. It's it's just why even do that. I know these these coaches and players are obligated to show up to these things, but it's so annoying. I even now and and I I feel so bad for admitting this, but Bill Belichick is a great example of the opposite of that. Coach of the New England Patriots, yes, say what you will, but the guy is actually hilarious in interviews because he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't give a shit. And he just stands up and goes, no, I, I want to answer that question. It's pretty great. I got a new level of respect for him. That's the ultimate coach speak, not answering. So maybe he is the epitome of what you hate. No, better that than, oh, yeah, guys, we went out there and we got some things to approve upon. You know, we're going to go back in the film room next week, and it's all about defense. You know, defense wins games, but so does offense because you got to catch the ball. And and I will I will tag on to that and say that, yes, you're right, but part of that is also – the press always ask the same question. Yeah. If they, so, they need to be a little bit more creative about the questions that they ask as well. Oh, how do you feel like your 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 handle but your handle back? Your quarterback handled the game. Well, he's gotta make better decisions back there, he's gotta get rid of the ball, and he's gotta hang on to it. I'm just like, uh, okay. That's the same response we hear all the time. It's just as soon as the game's over, turn it off. Don't interview them anymore. I, I don't know. That's just a thing that bothers me. It's always bothered me. Don't even get me started on fan bases calling themselves, insert name here, nation. 
That shit annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> that can be saved That's for another, another thing. week. It and will if be. you too are annoyed about something so, sports related, you can contact <laughs> us contact us at Gibby Five Podcast on Facebook, Gibby Five Pod at Twitter and Instagram. Give me five podcast at gmail.com. You can email us. You can do all of that fun stuff. Of course, the five always spelled out. Uh, please leave us a review yes. on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using. Next week, guys, <laughs> I think that we might have to watch Chopping Mall. Just doing an 80s horror movie. It's my turn to pick. Sounds good. Yeah, I think Chopping Mall, Rob, I'm not sure if you saw it, but it is playing at a local theater. So, And if not... Is it, it is now? also, if you're out there listening and want to keep up, it is available on Shudder, and I think you can also watch it on Amazon Prime. It is the tale of some robots in a mall that have gone amok and start killing people. It's like short circuit, but with axes, chainsaws, and whatnot. Hell yeah. <laughs> so you can do that. You can also check out our store at threadless.com. I'm so close to getting that G.I. Joe shirt up there. But it'll be awesome when you finally see it. Yeah, it's it's almost done. I just haven't had a chance to like. Yeah, you have to every product you put up there, you have to align, and I'm working on that. So check that out. And guys, enjoy your time with these two chuckleheads. I will be in the country where my favorite movie took place for the next two weeks. I will be in London. So enjoy yourselves, and I'll talk to you Ooh. soon. He's gonna come back with a werewolf bite. Pip pip cheerio. Bring us snacks. We want weird snacks. I'm going to have to make room next to all the snacks that I'm going to be bringing back for myself. With any special requests, please email them to give me 5 podcast at gmail.com, and I'll make sure to promptly ignore the shit out of it. Ultimate Warrior theme? No, it was CC Top Song. Oh, I thought it was Ultimate Warrior 2, Jimmy. Oh, wow, 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 wow. It was just a really drunk old man. Parking lot of the Invisible 7 Eleven. Yeah, that one. See what I heard was I guess so. You probably could have slid in like creatures. Oh. Wow. Wow. That had a double meaning. I hate doing this, but You are blonde. Were you offended by Brad? I was not. Bradster. I was like, damn, he's got some nice hair. He's so blonde and handsome, was, he could have only been a villain in an '80s movie. Exactly, and it was it was like very well uh, hairsprayed because it quaffed, hardly ever moved. I believe it's the term quaffed. Yes, very yeah. well quaffed. It hardly ever moved. Okay, even when he ran his fingers through it. <laughs>